Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Power Your Life Radio Show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us on Power Your Life, and it's always wonderful to be here and to share some wonderful guests and information. Many of us have had lots of challenges over the past few years, and there have been lots of people who have been experiencing mental health issues. And in the United States, there there seems to be a lot of support, hopefully, ongoing, and yet, oftentimes, that support and that connection for people who really need mental health is kind of non-existing or scattered. And yet, today's guest has really honed into that in the most beautiful way to, to address that. And I'm talking about Matthew Dixon, who's a mental health advocate as well as a speaker, and he helps people with mental illness in developing countries get access to basic mental health care through his MindAid platform. MindAid acts as a hub that steers people toward organizations working for the cause. It's the world's first website with all the organizations working on the cause on one site. Otherwise, they're scattered across the web. These organizations use models of basic mental health care that are low-cost, proven effective, and scalable. Some of the organizations that have been endorsing this are by Bill Clinton. I mean, some of the people that have been, yeah, Joanne, some of the people that have been endorsing these organizations are Bill Clinton, Forrest Whitaker, Ashley Judd, as well as Robin Williams' son, Zach Williams, and Tim Shriver, founder of the Special Olympics. Matthew Dixon has successfully recovered from schizophrenia and also, wow, he has bicycled across Canada. Wow, you are amazing, Matthew Dixon. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on your show. I appreciate the kind comments. <laughs> well, I think it's wonderful. Again, you know, People are in need, and not everybody steps up to serve, and, and here you are. So tell us, tell our listeners a little bit how you got involved in creating this kind of platform. Sure. So I grew up in eastern Canada in a small town on the, on the side of the ocean, and I had a pretty average childhood, and when I went off to university, I wasn't feeling the best. Um, this was the early 90s. I, it was the onset of schizophrenia coming in, but I could still do stuff. Uh, I bicycled across Canada during university. I got an, an engineering degree, but I wasn't feeling great, but I could still do a lot of stuff. And then when the disease hit, it hit hard. Uh, at 22, I went into the psych ward in the hospital 
where I was staying in New Brunswick here in, in Canada, and that was my introduction into the mental health system. And it took me 27 years to recover, but I did it. Um, but during that time, especially in the early years, uh, well, through the whole, my whole disease, um, a, a lady, uh, my heart just went out to people with mental health in developing countries and, and or mental illness in developing countries. A lady saw me at my worst in 1994, and she said, I looked like I was walking through a world of flying glass. Mm-hmm. And I was like, thanks, I appreciate that, because that's exactly how it feels. Thanks for acknowledging that. And, I, I mean, that's how I felt in a sleepy part of Canada with, an, with one of the better mental health care systems in the world. So it's funny, I don't know why I never went looking for content on mental health in developing countries, but it wasn't until many, many years later, in 2017, I saw uh, a TED Talk that popped up in uh, Google somewhere, and it was by Vikram Patel, and it talked about, it was the first bit of content I'd seen on mental health in developing countries. And what Vikram had done back in the 90s, he developed models of basic mental health care. These models had existed for basic physical health care for decades, uh, he said, why don't we do this for mental health care? And he did. And now many groups are using them. And, yeah, so so what my website is, it's um, I'm, I'm not – basically it's just me and a website and social media so far. Maybe in the future I'll have a nonprofit and people underneath me helping deliver basic mental health care through my own organization. Right now I'm steering people towards nonprofits already doing the work. So I'm more – my need is more of a promoter at this time, but – I'm open to. So let me ask. Yeah. Because yeah. you'll give people your, you know, your website and every ways to connect you later on. But but I want to get yeah. into the meat of of everything that you truly do because it it's incredible. Firstly, how did you get through schizophrenia? What was the the, the path for you? So. It was 1994, and mental health wasn't talked about a whole lot. It was still, I mean. 1994 was a lot further ahead. Uh, it was a lot more modern than, say, the 50s or 20s. <laughs> uh, things had come a long way, but people didn't talk about mental health a whole lot. I'd never uh, heard about mental illness or OCD or anxiety, or depression or schizophrenia or bipolar. So when I went into the psych ward, that uh, I had to start learning about this stuff. And I got on a medication. It worked. I stayed on it. Uh, with schizophrenia, medication is often an answer uh, because it's a more severe mental illness. Um, I read a lot of books. I read a lot of books on uh, sort of general, just sort of personal development, uh, people skills, uh, diet, fitness, uh, mental health, m- mindset. Uh, a lot of Navy, Se- a lot of soldiers and athletes and CEOs want to improve their 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 brain, their their mental health. And I was reading books by them for uh, for many many years. So I I tried to exercise. Exercise was tough for me. I could walk. Uh, walking was one of the easier things I could do. And I went to a job. Found a job. They actually kept me there for 20 years. I know a lot of people with schizophrenia may find it hard to hold down a job. Um, I was able to. It wasn't easy, but I uh, they kept me there for 20 years. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's amazing, and you're amazing. So how does your website work now? I mean, how do people work with the organizations? How do you, how's the outreach? Tell, tell our listeners yeah. more about the, the model itself. 
Sure, yeah. So the the website is more of a, a, a short, it's more of a short and sweet website. I've got a lot of links on the page. Uh, I'd, I'd encourage people to browse through the page. It'll steer you off in a lot of different directions of organizations helping out in different ways. One of the main ones is the donate uh, section. Uh, that's where there are ten nonprofits, and I keep finding more as time goes on. These ten nonprofits are the ones giving basic mental health care in a variety of, in a variety of ways with different models. And people can donate to them or fundraise for them directly on their own websites. I don't handle any money myself. People are free to uh, donate to me to pay my own expenses so that I can work on this full time so that I don't have to get a regular job. And uh, But the, uh, people can donate directly on these nonprofits' websites, uh, sometimes for as little as like $3 a month or $5 a month or $10 a month. It's uh, uh, Small sums of money can go a long way. You have a job. This is your job, <laughs> and it's a big it, it job. Is. It is. Really I work is. in it. It's my passion, and I'm wanting to be working on this for the rest of my life. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm I'm trying to make income from it for my own. I'm I'm, I'm trying to put on speaking events. Uh, if people want to hire me as a speaker, feel free. I'm, um, my my fees are fairly low as far as public speakers go, and I'm trying to get on podcasts and radio shows. So thank you very much for having me on. <laughs> well, it's my pleasure. Matthew, because again, this is so important. So, in terms of mental health care and the models, what from from everything that you're doing and the connections that you've made and and working with these organizations, what are what's some of the mental health care that the models utilize that that can help people who who are experiencing those challenges? Yeah, so some of them are different. Um, they basically they're low cost, proven effective, and scalable. And the World Health Organization is trying to figure out the best way to roll them out to, to the masses. In the meantime, there are groups that are using these. They do things like uh, uh, in Vikram Patel's TED Talk, the first uh, video I saw on this years ago. He says that what they do is they go into a community and they find some people with some basic leadership or uh, skills or some basic skills, maternal health skills or anything. They handpick people and they teach them how to deliver basic mental health care. The World Health Organization has a, uh, it's called MHGAP. Uh, if you look up MHGAP on, on the WHO website, there's a document that's about 100 pages long and it teaches you a lot of, like with diagrams a lot of the time, so it's universal as far as languages go, on how to help people with, uh, how to diagnose people quickly and in a a basic way for for their mental health problems and addiction too. And uh, so they handpick people in the community and they they teach them how to deliver this basic mental health care to their own community members. Sometimes people are a bit skeptical in the community, like, will this really work? But when they see someone in their community who's walking around disheveled and able to do much, uh, lying in bed a lot of the time, and then they see that person working in a field, tending a fruit stand, or or being able to feed being able to feed their family in whatever way, they say, "Oh wow!" Um, and they're quite Im- they're impressed with that, and they want more of it. There's other ways too. Uh, Brenda Hershey, she has Tri Global, and she uses trauma recovery yoga tell people and right now she's working in Iraq and also wanting to work in Ukraine in 2023 uh, she's got a fundraiser on uh, her website to, to be able to work in Ukraine this year 
uh, strong minds they use uh, they use group uh, group talk based therapy they work with women with depression in Africa and they get women into groups of eight to ten people and they teach them uh, they go through their sessions uh, talking about stuff they don't use medications and in a surprisingly short time many of the women are depression free which is huge if you're if you can't get out of bed and can't feed your family that's to get out of to be able to get out of bed and be productive again huge uh fine you know, I, are another one yeah uh, okay, they help people in Uganda and they they're using models of basic mental health care too Pavel Repo founded that and he's uh, he's got Forrest Whitaker's foundation, the actor from Star Wars, working uh, with Fine Mind. So they're doing work in Uganda too, and there's others too. It, it's too long to list here, but yeah. Uh, you know, it seems so so important to be able to do that and, and to see people like you said who who were floundering and then being able to do something and something productive and it makes them feel good and, and is, like you said, contributing to their family in ways. That, that's a beautiful thing. What do what kind of mental health tips do you have that can help people who are going through this feel better? But before we get there, did you, when you, when you were going through your schizophrenia, what was it like and what was the response or reaction to other people who who witnessed that, whether it's family or friends or or people, you know, from school? Yeah, so I was lucky. I didn't have many people giving me a hard time. Very lucky about that. Um, later on, I had a bit of a hard time from people, but not necessarily aimed towards my illness. It was... Uh, but overall, uh, I, I found it. I was open with people. I didn't. Uh, it's a lot easier to talk about mental health now these days, especially with COVID. But uh, I. But once I got to know a person a bit, like at work or wherever, I felt very. I really wanted to let them know that I had this disease because I never felt like myself. I would walk differently, talk differently. I would just be different than my normal self, like when I was a kid growing up and healthy and fine. And I really, that really bothered me. I really wanted people to know that this isn't me. The, the person you're seeing in front of you isn't, like, I'm not feeling like myself, basically. And I felt a lot better when I just talked about the elephant in the room and said, look, uh, I just wanted to let you know this is a disease I've got. And that, it really made me feel better to do that. And um, it, it's still difficult. The disease is difficult. Uh, friends and family sometimes know, don't know how to deal with you the right way. Um, but I was overall, I shouldn't really complain too much about how people treated me. It was, uh, I was fairly lucky. Um, but, uh, it's, it's tough. And one thing I want to tell people too is the, the early part of the disease, and I'm assuming maybe with other mental illnesses too, uh, before you start to get, uh, before the treatment starts to kick in, it can be tough and it may seem like it's going to be that way and that way forever. A friend of mine was in an avalanche, and he said, Matt, we only went something like a few hundred meters in something like 20 or 30 seconds or something, but as I was tumbling underneath in the black, tumbling around, it felt like it was going to last forever. Mm. And that's the way I felt with my disease, especially in the early years. It just felt like it was never going to stop. It's going to last forever. But what I want to tell people is the early part can be tough, but it once you get some treatment and, and the pain can come down a bit and it can come down to a more manageable level, which allows you to carry on for longer. 
and often a lot longer a lot longer than you think. Navy SEALs, uh, in Mark Devine's book, Unbeatable Mind, he's a Navy SEAL, he says Navy SEALs are taught that they are capable of 20 times more than they think they are. They're taken to the brink of physical and mental exhaustion in their training, and they say, I can't go another inch, I can't move another muscle, I'm done. And they're told, nope, not only do you have 5% more, or 50%, or 100%, you have 20 times more than you think you, than you think you do. And then they show they show them look get up and they then they do they get up and they keep going for a lot longer, and that's the way I felt I was tested with my disease. It's uh, I had no idea I was capable of all that, and everybody has that. Everybody, no matter what you're going through, with it, whether it's mental illness or anything, we all have that buried deep inside us, waiting to be used at a moment's notice. And you know, people knew so what they're actually love. Yeah. It's, that, that's so very important because, like you said and, and demonstrated, people don't know that they have that strength, that ability, and when they tap into it like, like people do, like you do, it's, it's just incredible to, to recognize that strength, that inner strength. So thank you for that because we need we need that and we especially need that today. So what other kinds of tips can you give to people who've been experiencing mental illness or experiencing schizophrenia? Yeah, so I'm really happy about a uh, on my website there's a free tips button or or in the about section you'll see some links to my best mental health tips and it's a list, it's a page on the website and it has the main books and articles and resources, uh, tips for schizophrenia. Um, it's they're the best ones I've found after like 20 plus years of reading about this and living with this. And I'm really happy about that. I could I could go on for hours teaching people all the tips I have and things I've learned. But well, if just, people want, yeah. No, just give our just give our listeners a few tips that you find yeah. important, and then we want them to go look at, you know look at the website and look at those tips. Yeah. But I think it's important that people hear some of them today. Verbal judo, it's what police officers use to deal with people, and it has made my life so much easier. Psychologists say a lot of the time when people come in to talk to them, they talk about the people in their life giving them problems. And verbal judo, it's been around for a long time now, uh, and it's uh, the book's on my list there. Um, Another one is The Survivor Personality. I found that book in 2010, I think, and um, it's it's phenomenal. It's... uh, what does verbal like, judo? What does it do? Verbal judo. It's a way of uh, talking with people um, and not uh, uh, increase. It's so often when we talk to people, we if people are upset, if everyone's happy and fine, that's great. But if someone gets upset, we often rise to match that intensity and start arguing back. And it's a way of staying calm and talking from that person's frame of reference, not ours. So often we if we have something to say, we say it, not really paying attention to where everyone else is in the room or the other person you're talking to, where they are. Find out where they are, their mood, their, like, do they need a hug right now? Find out what they need. Do they need a hug? Are they even listening to you right now? Are they talking about something else? Um, are they are, are they angry? Find out where they are and then start talking from their frame of reference. And a lot of the time, people just simply need to be heard. 
so many of us don't feel heard, acknowledged, and it's if you can give that to somebody. I've got a, a an article on the list there with uh, my best listening tips on how to listen. So many times, people just want to to be heard and have their voice heard by somebody else. And if you can be that person to simply let someone get something off their chest, it brings them back down. It de-escalates the situation. And it's uh, it's that book has done wonders for me um, in dealing with other people. It's not perfect. Sometimes you're the one losing control. <laughs> But uh, that's that's really helped me. I wish it was required reading in schools. I think mental health care providers should read that. It's uh, so often we just don't connect with people. It's hard to connect, and that book really makes it a lot easier to do that. You know what's interesting about about that too is that oftentimes when people are having a conversation or a dialogue, they're not listening. They're just waiting to get in whatever they want to as quickly as they can, and that can actually cause more problems. So your suggestions in terms of just really listening and and de-escalating the situation is is very valid. I I love that. All right, tell us more about some mental health tips because you're doing great. (laughs) Thanks. The the listening listening article I wrote, it's uh, just on the topic of listening. We... Uh, one of the tips in there is to, to everyone loves it. If you ever have someone hanging on your every word, how do you do that? How do you make someone hang on your every word? Well, a lot of the time you can do that for somebody else. You can hang on someone else's word simply by just pausing. Interviewers, really good interview, interviewers know that if you, if someone pauses in a talk, sometimes they're done, but sometimes they pause because they're just about to tell you their best bit of wisdom. And if you start talking, you'll you'll miss that bit of wisdom. So a pause isn't long. You don't have to sit there in silence for a minute. Sometimes it's just three, four, five seconds or something like that. And just pause. And I, I can tell now in someone's eyes when they're about to deliver something really good. It's a look in their eyes they get. And uh, just pause. Just simply pause. It's uh, if you interrupt people, it just keeps making them feel unheard. And uh, the horse whisperer years ago, Monty Roberts, he said, "When a horse is about to learn, get out of its way." Uh, so often mm. I'll be talking to somebody, and the same, a similar look in their eyes they'll get. Just pause. Just stop talking. Just literally just stop talking. And then a few seconds go by, and they say, "You know what? I just had this great idea." And uh, so hang so hanging on every word sometimes it's just a matter of seconds to just be quiet and not have to fill the fill every second with with uh noise uh let some dead air go by for a little bit Beautiful. um yeah yeah um i've i've got a ton of tips it's hard to know where to begin but uh i've i want to give hope to people um there's pe- people are struggling and the uh, there's a man his name's Shekhar Saxena. He's he's from Harvard University. He spoke at the UN and he said that every country, when it comes to mental health care, is a developing country. And most people, when they hear that, you might have to think about that for a while. I've had to think about it for a bit. Uh, basically, I'd still like to be in Canada versus some places in Africa, for example, for mental health care. But we're all on the mental health care developing country level, uh, varying degrees. Uh, there's a man in Nova Scotia, Canada, who radically improved his mental health 
and addiction system in his area. And he's written a book. His name's Todd Leader. And the book is called It's Not About Us because so many people said the mental health system isn't about us. It's about bureaucracy and paperwork. And the book teaches people how to make, how to improve their mental health system so that it's about the people and not bureaucracy and paperwork. Uh, Todd Leader. And I'm really trying to tell people that book. He got wait times from like five to eight months down to a few weeks or a week or less uh, to get in to see a mental health uh, practitioner in his area, which is phenomenal, plus lots of other things he's done. It's, uh, I'm really trying to get that book out to people. Um, it, the book is written for Canada, but I'm assuming it could, there could be a lot of overlays in other countries too. You know, something that, that's really like in terms of we all are developing countries when it comes to, to mental health and mental illness. People, a lot of people just don't even understand it and don't nece- and are necessar- not necessarily patient with with family members or friends who are experiencing mental illness and and there can be not fitting in and also all different kinds of feelings of of not belonging and and not being heard like you said so beautifully so I think one of the ways is that we, we as people, just lay people, need to get more comfortable with with knowing more about it. And this is also a vehicle for that because we need to be able to accept it as another illness that needs treatment, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a group, uh, it's called United for Global Mental Health, and they're in the U.K., but they work worldwide. They do great work, and that's another term you might hear, global mental health, and that's mental health in all countries, not just developed countries, but developing too. And they do work all over the world. Um, They're a really good spearheader. There's another one called Generation Mental Health, and they are trying to train the next generation of youth to be leaders in global mental health. And my website, it'll steer you off in a lot of different directions, and there's there's also a resources tab there with uh, many more mental health groups for developing countries. And they you, you may not necessarily be able to donate to those, but they do a lot of great work. And I'm, uh, I'm really encouraging people to poke around the website and see how they can help out. There's a link on the page for free ways people can help out. There's lots of things you can do. Uh, one of the biggest things you can do, I'm, I'm taking this from uh, Catherine Hayhoe. She's an, an environmental advocate. She says the biggest way to help the environment is to have conversations about it, even before like putting up solar panels and whatnot, simply creating awareness. I'm taking a lead from her. I'm saying the best way to help mental health in developing countries is to have conversations about it. Uh, it, it if I'm in the grocery store talking to somebody, and I mention mental health in developing countries, uh, some people may not have thought about that. And it doesn't take long for people to make the connection. You don't have to go on for 50 minutes in the grocery store trying to explain this to somebody. People, we We know about uh, drilling wells, uh, buying goats, mosquito bed nets for people in developing countries, building schools. We've been doing that for years. Uh, if you simply throw in, uh, oh, yeah, what about the mental health care there? What are ways you can help? Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. Well, you can tell them, well, there's groups helping. It doesn't take them long to make the connection. Oh, okay, I get that. And before I forget, there's something that's really horrible that's happening, but there are ways to help. Uh, some people are actually kept in chains with mental illness. Mm. They estimate hundreds of thousands in 60 countries, and there's a platform called Hashtag Break the Chains, 
Robin Williams' son, Zach Williams, is helping promote that, and some others, Alison Janney, from the, the actress from the West Wing TV show years ago. And they're, they have a pledge there to, to sign. They're looking for, I think, 6,000 more signatures. They, they need 20,000. They're, Can you they're, that to me? I'd love to, to focus to yeah, push that yeah. out a little bit. Yeah, and, it, and it's on the, the MindAid website, too, near the top. Hashtag Break the Chains. It's a, it's a link there. And it's do, do they put people in chains because they're afraid of them or they don't understand them, or, or why do they probably do Probably a variety of reasons. Uh, some people, uh, they may run off. Uh, they may, some of them may be violent. Uh, they, it's probably a variety of reasons. But uh, some people are tied to a tree, tied to a bed. Uh, tied up in a shed. Uh, some of them have a foot through a, their foot through a log, so they can't move. It, it's horrible, and and it uh, probably do it, it probably makes things worse rather than better. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, groups. Some of these groups go out and unchain them. Uh, like in the ten uh, nonprofits, I said people can donate to uh, Basic Needs US. They go out and unchain people. Some of the other groups do that too. Partners in Health, CBM UK. I think they may do that too. But they uh, they go and work and they unchain them and then they get them treatment. So not only are they tied up, uh, for one thing, they're just tied up. That's horrible. Um, they also have untreated mental illness and perhaps living in poverty too. All those all those issues combined into one. It's it's a nightmare. And uh, my heart just goes out to them. Uh, people say I'm so strong for what I went through. I'm like, well, mine was. Uh, it's yeah. There there are hundreds of thousands are, are like that right now. And uh, to have someone go out and help them and unchain them, that's why I'm really encouraging people to, to donate to these groups or to, or to share their posts. A lot of them are on social media. Uh, I'm, I'm encouraging people to share their posts. It's so easy to do. A click of a button, you can share a post and get people talking about some of these groups. So now tell us, because I cut you off before, sorry, but your website I mean, where people can just find this hub of, of so many organizations that doing so much wonderful work, including you. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's mindaid.ca, M-I-N-D-A-I-D.ca. And I'm on why social media. I'm on social media. Pardon me? Well, I said, why did you call it MindAid? Why did you name it that? I love it. I well, think it's my great. web designer and I were trying to think of a name, like a domain name to choose, and we were thinking like brain or mental. We were, we were thinking of something short, and he came up with mind. Well, that's it's only four letters. And then we searched around a bit, uh, and I thought, well, what about mind aid? Like, and I thought of like Earth Aid or Live Aid or Farm Aid or Band Aid, those big multi-city uh, mega concerts uh, put on years ago. That was always an idea of mine. I don't know if that'll happen at some point. I'm trying to mention that to some people to say, can we have a Mind Aid concert to raise millions of dollars for the cause and with musicians and concerts around in cities around the world? I, I'm, I'm trying to work on that. Um, but uh, yeah, um, that's, that's a brilliant yeah. idea. Don't give up on that. Really, I, I would, I would participate. Thank so you. <laughs> tell our listeners, Matthew Dixon, how they can get a hold of you, find out you on all social media, and connect with you on the website and all and and all the wonderful work that you're doing and connecting with people that are really caring across the globe. Thank you. Yes, people, I'm on many social media platforms. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Clubhouse, Snapchat. 
TikTok, YouTube. Um, feel free to reach out to me on those. All the links are at MindAid. And uh, there's also my email address, info at mindaid.ca. Those are uh, great ways to reach out to me. And uh, I'm also starting some other things, meetup.com. I've started uh, three meetup groups in three Canadian cities because I know there's people out there who'd like to help if they simply knew how, uh, from sharing some posts now and then right up to starting their own nonprofit to help. I'm trying to reach them. And uh, so I've started three meetup groups. I'm hoping more meetup groups in Canada and other countries will pop up too. And I'd like to help uh, start those. People can email me if they'd like to start one in their community to get people in their own community together to talk about how to help to brainstorm ways, and they could put on a bake sale. You name it, any any kind of fundraiser or whatever. Uh, I'm encouraging people to get creative. Um, there's put on races, um, any, anything. It's, uh, it's uh, yeah. I, I'm a, uh, so I just started those meetup groups in December. So they're relatively new, and uh, but I'm excited about that and hoping to reach a lot more people that way. Beautiful. So before we close, Matthew, what would you like to leave our listeners with? I want to tell people that you never know what's going to happen. You never know what tomorrow may bring, and to always stay hopeful. They've, they've, uh, it's well documented that uh, many people who take their, li- who try to take their lives and survive, uh, many of them regret it, instantly regret it. Kevin Hines, he's a suicide prevention advocate in the States. He instantly regretted um, his attempt. And it's uh, so I'm encouraging people, as dark as it seems, when you think there's no hope left, there is hope. I call it hope beyond hope. I've written an article about hope beyond hope. When you think there's just nothing left, there's something inside you or something beyond you, whatever your beliefs are, that will just keep you going. I don't know how it works, but it does. So many times I didn't know how I was going to get through the next few minutes, get through the day, and so many times I thought that. And here I am, many, many years later, getting through all those times. I don't know how it works, but it does. But your brain tells you it's not going to work. It seems impossible, literally impossible. Like trying to run 100 meters in four seconds. The world record is about nine seconds. It seems impossible. Like it's not humanly possible, but it is because it just seems that way. Mental illness will never take your life for you. It always drives you to do it, and there's always hope. Please, for people listening, please hang in there. I know you're doing the best you can, and to hang in there. Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia, the actress from Star Wars, she had bipolar, and she said people with mental illness deserve medals of bravery, of courage. Those aren't handed out. The government in any country is not handing that out to their, to their people who are suffering, who, who day after day, simply just to get out of bed, it's a phenomenal effort. So I'm pinning a medal on your chest for you because someone's got to do it. I congratulate you on your bravery, your determination, your courage for getting through the next, the last five minutes, for getting through today, for, for getting through the last 10 years, whatever it is. You are doing phenomenal work. Your recovery is an amazing accomplishment. Beautiful, and I hope you have a medal for yourself because I think everything that you that you've gone through and conquered and and moved beyond, and also how you have utilized that you know your mental illness to to shift and to recognize that people out there in the world, not just in your country but all over, really need 
access to and tips and, and connection to be able to get through whatever they're dealing with and thrive. So thank you, Matthew. You, you're a wonderful representation of healing, hope, and connection, and so much more. You are a gift. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Take care. Thanks. So think about what Matthew Dixon said. So there's so many wonderful things and with so many wonderful groups, so make sure that you go to his website, that are doing so much and they really need help from people. And also his message of hope. We all need hope. It's been a difficult time and you can dive into that belief, even if you don't believe it, that, that despite what's going on, despite what you feel is inconquerable and, and that you just can't get through it, as, as Matthew so beautifully presented and, and also demonstrated in his own life, you can and you will. And you can shift that mindset that, that says it's impossible, you can't, to believing in yourself and believing that you can get through it no matter what it is. And that, that's a beautiful message of strength, of recovery, of heart, and resilience. And like Matthew Dixon said, we all have it. you got to tap into yourself, but we all have it. So take care of yourself. And today, take one step forward or maybe two or three into your life to power yourself, whatever you need to do to make you feel that you have that strength, that you have that resilience with hope so that you can go on. Thanks so much for joining us, and have a beautiful day, and take care of you. You matter. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.